0: help me to make kip your favorite friday podcast now let's get started
1: hi kingdom influencing nation how is everyone today we are back with you once again and we just want to say thank you for stopping by to join in with us there are thousands of different podcasts out to to listen to and you chose to stop by and share in this moment with us so we say thank you we are very grateful for your presence
0: very, very grateful for your presence, and she's right thousands as a matter of fact, there are millions millions <laughs> <podcasts>. yeah <laughs> when you go look across the world, there are millions of podcasts that you could be listening to, and we really truly are grateful from the depths of our heart that you're spending this time with us and taking time to share this with people who mean something to you and who have a value uh an ad value uh, proportion in your life so listen let's um finish up we're going to finish up this episode on the selfless servant and of course all of you who've been listening the last two weeks know that this is a special part of the kingdom influencing podcast that we call simply us and we get together weekly and we share from the fountain of blessing that god have given us over the last um, 20 years 30 years or so uh, in pastoral ministry and government and education and so on and so forth. So um, we're here today to finish this uh, uh, podcast about the selfless servant, but we want to expand your vision about the selfless servant because the selfless servant is not just a pastor. It's not just a leader in the marketplace, but it can be a single parent. It can be a two-parent household. It can be anybody who's working in the marketplace
1: or anybody who's in a leadership capacity. Um, Everyone, all of us, have a sphere of influence, uh, whether you're cognizant of it or not, or you have no clue, but you are influencing someone. Someone is looking to you, looking up to you. They're watching your every move. They're hanging on to your every word. So, But that being said, you have to be aware at all times that you are an influencer, whether you think you are or want to be one or not.
0: Exactly. And so... Let's talk more about the selfless servant. Uh, I think we, we've covered eight points so far. We want to cover 12 points, and let's start with point number nine. The most effective servant leader spends significant time in the presence of God, specifically for guidance and execution, daily execution of your tasks, your duties, your responsibilities. Now, you may say "Ah, you kind of talked about that before, but we're gonna talk about it again. Except we're going to talk about it from an expanded perch. So with this, let's talk about reasons why we need to spend time with God. Because a lot of people think that you just pray and you just want God to bless you. and, and No, we're talking about prayer where you actually understand the inherent importance of having God as your partner. Yes. Not just your Uh, the God who provides providence and looks out for you and takes care of you every day, but the God who actually wants to be involved in your decision-making. He wants to perfect those things that concern you.
1: Yeah, and to take it a little bit further, he wants to be involved in your day-to-day operations. I.e., some of you may think this is totally stupid, but I'm telling you, this is the level of involvement that God wants to have with us. He wants to be in complete 100% partnership with us. Um, you know, we we take little things for granted and we don't inquire of him. He wants us to come to him with everything. He wants us to bring every thought, every concern, every possibility that we're thinking about. I mean, literally everything to him.
0: That's right. So the scriptures take everything to God in prayer. In prayer. With prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto the Lord. So let's look at this. Um, when you're in leadership or when you're leading a family, there are lots of things that we can do wrong. And here's one of my missteps. Hmm. I used to give people a, a huge macro vision, hmm. you know, when I was in leadership. Just wanted to just give them this big <laughs> vision of where we're going yes. and how we're going to do it. And the thing that I realized and something my wife helped correct uh, before it was too late, was that <laughs> having a macro vision is great. And that's something you write down, you keep it to yourself to a certain extent. You may use use it with your core group, you know, the leaders that are directly around you. But you also have to understand that people function better with bite-sized shoes. So I had to learn how to take the macro vision and put it into small mm. micro visions And so every quarter we would accomplish a micro vision or every two quarters. So that's either three months or six months. And when that micro vision is accomplished, we celebrate it. We, you know, we celebrate, we've got that done. And then we go to the next portion Mm -hmm. and the next portion. It's very similar to the strategy used by the United States Navy SEALs. Mm -hmm. Every time they accomplish a step Mm -hmm. in their strategy, They mark it off. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be clear that every time we accomplish a step and God blesses us, that we mark it off and then we see the next step Mm -hmm. and the next step and the next step. And that's what we want to build in our leadership development. Even with the people who are under us, if they can follow that same step process, it will really help them in guiding their group to pockets of success. So let's get this part straight. So essentially, there are two parts of the vision that you have to communicate or vision cast. The first one is called macro. That's the big vision. And the smaller pockets of vision that make up the macro vision is called the micro vision. Mm -hmm. And the micro vision is, you were saying earlier, that it helps the workers to
1: Not be overwhelmed. Okay. Not be overwhelmed. So if you have a good uh, team lead, they should be able to convey to the, the workers that um, assist them not to be overwhelmed when they hear the big macro vision. They should be able to, con- take, to convey to them in micro bite-sized pieces, this is how we're going to get there to get to the big picture. And they shouldn't be overwhelmed. They shouldn't feel like they're choking and gagging. You know, they should feel like, hey, I can do this, you know?
0: okay so you so you want to get i guess give them manageable
1: yes bite-sized pieces yeah
0: manageable pieces of information so that that's good so the next part of reason why we have to seek the face of god is it makes the difference between having a calm demeanor or calm influence versus a a frustrating a frustrated influence a better yet better said a frustrating disposition when you as a leader lead people with a frustrating disposition, it is a recipe for disaster.
1: Absolutely. A lot of times when we're rushing to get dressed in the morning to get to where we're going, We don't realize that that type of rush, 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 and we say, Oh, I'll, you know, get myself together in the car. Well, unfortunately, if you don't do it prior to you preparing to leave your house, nine times out of ten, you're not going to prepare yourself. You have to start your day with prayer. That calms you, that calms your spirit. It prepares you for any lemonade, I mean, any lemons you will experience that you can make the lemonade with, any potholes in the road that you can kind of skirt around, and any hurdles you may have to jump over so and a lot of times with frustration we don't realize that we are projecting that frustration onto others and even within the atmosphere that we are in
0: yeah and atmosphere is critical you know you can sense when people are frustrated and when they feel that frustration it's just a uh if you will it has a snowball effect on everything that has to go during the course of that day, so we want to be cognizant of that. And like you say, start the day off with prayer. Take the time. Get up earlier. Go to bed. Uh, go to bed earlier, so you can get up earlier. The other thing is just making sure that you're praying to develop uh, good practices in terms of hiring your team. Uh, it's, it's part of having discernment. You want to know who to put on your team, mm-hmm. even if you're not hiring them as an employer. If they're going to be on your team in ministry or if you're going to do a specific a specific project in your home, you have to know who in your family is best equipped to get that done. Everybody in their family will get a general assignment, but it's based on their highest and best use. And again, God gives you the discernment yes. to know what that is
1: also with that discernment it if you are operating in discernment it diffuses the frustration and that's what we always want we always want to proceed forward in calmness and we always want to diffuse that frustration so you know highest and best use how you know developing a team and or hiring practices or even within family management you know we forget about our families but our families you know, that needs to be managed as well. You know, it's not one size fit all because everyone has different personalities, okay? In your corporate business, in your entrepreneurship business, it's the same thing. You need to know who you are bringing into your circle.
0: So the next one is managing a cage in your dark side. And I, I want to <laughs> say this. Everybody has a dark side. Everybody has... A negative influence it does not need to come out it doesn't need to come out at all but the fact that we all sin and fall short of the glory of god it, it makes it evident to us that it exists god says it exists if any man says he does not sin he's a liar so putting all that aside we have a dark side we need to manage that dark side but here's what i'm trying to say to you you can't manage your dark side The only person who can put your dark side under subjection is God himself.
1: Can we say with managing and or caging your dark side, I find that some people are not aware that they have a dark side. Mm -hmm. It's like they live in euphoria all the time. Mm -hmm. And we know if you're human, if I pinch you, you're going to say, ouch, and we know that you are indeed human and not a robot. But my question would be, can you maybe expound on why some people think that they don't have a dark side, which leads to all other types of issues in the workplace?
0: Well, one of the, the I guess, rationales behind people not thinking they have a dark side is, A, they don't understand the light. If you don't understand the light of god and you don't understand when you're having a day where god is influencing your character on a holistic uh, place then of course you won't understand that you have a dark side because you live on that dark side all the time and if any place you live in it's like a pig and slop you become familiar with that that becomes your normal so you think hey this is my normal but that's not necessarily your normal The second reason is there are people who want to, uh, how do you say it? Uh, What's the term I want to use? They want to always project that they are Mr. Wonderful or Mrs. Wonderful, that they never have any problems, Mm -hmm. that they never have bad days, that they never you know, are confronted with anything. And and some people say that I'm just going to speak life over my life, and you should speak life over your life. But the fact of the matter is, you can offend people and not even know that you've offended people. You could hurt people and not even know that you've hurt people because all of us, it's your tone, the way you say what you say. The, the bottom line is we all have a dark side. We all have a side that can negatively influence or impact our place of employment, our family or uh, uh, church. So we need to seek the face of God. To, in essence, like you said, cage the dark side. Mm -hmm. Keep this thing under subjection so that I can function in your kingdom and function in the workplace in a way that's consistent with the character of God. Mm -hmm. So, in essence, uh, as we close out this section uh, about the most effective servant leaders spending time with God, this is number nine. The last one is trajectory, growth, development, and course correction. So let's go backwards and start with uh, course correction because I don't believe that anyone can really direct the course or direct the trage- trajectory or the growth or the development of an organization unless they're in the face of God. Uh, particularly, when you, let's talk about the institution of the church. The institution of a church is an organism that God created uh, in the earth It is the sole embodiment of Jesus Christ in the earth. Mm -hmm. And you can't run the church based on the way you want to run the church. The church is exclusively owned and managed and operated by the Lordship of Jesus Christ, by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And when we are, uh, what's the word? Um, When we see everything through the eyes of the Bible, through the eyes of Scripture, through the eyes of Christ having a biblical worldview, when we do that, that means that not only does the Lord own the the church, but the Lord owns the marketplace. The Lord owns the health industry. Mm-hmm. The Lord owns the education industry. The entertainment industry the military industry. Every industry in the world belongs to god why the earth is the lord's the fullness of the world and they that dwell therein so in order to be a good uh servant leader in order to be an excellent servant leader who uh, understands the importance of spending significant time with god we want god's leadership Mm -hmm. to help us to make right decisions not just long-term goals but short-term goals daily goals so that we can direct our staff we can direct our managers we can direct those people who we influence directly under us in the proper way and, and I think you said it the other day you said you start with the the leadership and then the leadership shares it with the management and the team or the team leaders and the team leaders then communicate this to the workers But if we're not communicating properly as the chief servant leaders or as the head of a particular division or a particular organization or a particular uh, ministry, Mm -hmm. uh, then everybody under us is going to be just as dysfunctional as we are. Because to be honest with you, not to be in the face of God creates what we call dysfunctional leadership, Mm -hmm. dysfunctional leadership.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And dysfunctional leadership breeds dysfunction, chaos, you know, um, oftentimes we think we are doing, you know, the right thing, but we need to do self-checks every so often to make sure that the trajectory per God is being played out exactly how he wants it to play out. Because sometimes we can get derailed and not realize it because we're so busy being busy doing stuff that we forget to, you know, do self-checks and make sure we're properly aligned vertically.
0: Amen. We have to be vertically aligned with God. And I think that's the critical point. I mean, we talked about micromanagement versus macromanagement, calm, influence versus frustration, developing team, hiring practices, managing and caging your dark side, and then now trajectory, development, growth, and correction. This is a short list of the things that happen to us in the way that God speaks to us. We have to begin to see God as a theist rather than a deist we have to see him as the god who wants to intervene in our daily lives he'll perfect those things that That concern us us.
1: excuse me and and also we have to understand and realize now i'm speaking to people who are christians people who are non-christians we have to understand that god wants to be involved in every facet of our lives not just you know uh, church decisions Or, you know, family decisions, but even corporate decisions. I mean, God wants to be interwoven into the fabric of every decision we make. So it would behoove us to go to him and take our thoughts, take our desires, take our, you know, uh, meeting um, objectives and take it to him in prayer to get the download straight from the throne. So we can then, you know, in our meetings, project it and and not project it, but um, explain it in a way. That will foster growth and proper nourishment of our staff and our teams and our business or our ministries, whichever, you know, arena you happen to be in.
0: That's exactly right. So I I think with that, we can move on and talk about. uh, So let me read number 10. Let me read number 10 and see what I have written here. Humanity can only confirm what God is saying and are at times used for this purpose. But God clearly wants to have a relationship with the servant leader to bring unison of call, ministry, and purpose. Uh, And it goes back, and I don't even have to illustrate this. You know, people speak into our lives and people share things that are relevant for our our growth and our development. Of course, we understand that. We have mentors, we have spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers, we have uh, life coaches and and uh, counselors and pe- those kinds of people that speak into our lives. But in all actuality, a good servant leader who's in relationship with God should be able to use these, uh, if you will, uh, confirmations mm-hmm. as collaborating, collaborating uh, uh, information mm-hmm. that he's already or she's already gotten at the throne of grace. So no one should be able to really say something to you that you have not already heard God said, or and God usually just then confirms his word by sending yeah. someone to you yeah. to make sure that you got what he said. Exactly. So it's, uh, you were right. I think you, you said it all. He wants to be intertwined in every aspect of our lives. Number 11, the true kingdom servant leader is humbled by their relationship with God and honored to serve in the kingdom As his representative. And I I think that's something we can sit on right there. Because Mm -hmm. God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. We need to understand that God doesn't need us. Exactly. God doesn't have to use us to do anything. anything, You know, so you going to say something? Yeah.
1: God doesn't need us. We need him. And that's just how it is. Um, He created everything. So with that being said, it's an honor and a privilege, as a dear friend of mine often says, it's an honor and a privilege to be used by God. Or, And it's an honor and a privilege to serve God or to worship God. You know, in this day and time that we live in, if you are alive, if you are above ground, you should be honored and humbled every day that you open your eyes because it doesn't have to be that way. So if you are a servant leader and you are in proper relationship with God, the fact that he even wants to use you, you should be humbled by that fact, because regardless of education, um, uh, experience, or what have you, he still doesn't have to use us. He can use anyone, and so as we're being used by God, we need to be very grateful, very thankful. And I think that that just pretty much says it all.
0: Yeah, I I don't I don't know, and and I think maybe just straight to the point, God doesn't need
1: us. Exactly. He
0: doesn't need us at all. You we know? get it twisted. Yeah, we get it twisted. So, you know, we go to church and we think we're doing God a favor. Or we use his name uh, in ministry or use some of the things that he's shared with us in ministry and and then take all the credit for it. We can't exactly. take credit for anything. No. If you got it from God, if God bless you and it came from God, we ought to give God all the honor and the glory that he's due. And as a a, a servant leader... As a servant leader we need to recognize our position he's the strong ox we're the weak ox I'm I'm referring to uh, Matthew when it says come unto me come unto me all ye he labored are heavy-laden we're, we're talking about being in partnership with the king of the universe with the sovereign God and if he's sovereign then we need to understand our place in him limit our uh, uh talking back and forth and 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 I mean this when we're praying we don't need to do all the talking
1: sometimes you just need to just sit there and just listen exactly and just avail ourselves to listen to hear what he wants to say to us because he's always speaking to us however oftentimes we're too busy to hear his that still sounding voice speaking to us so we miss it
0: and when you miss it you miss a whole lot of everything and it usually causes a lot of consternation down the road um Let me say this. Let's go to number 11 and then we'll do number 12 because it's getting late in the hour and we just want to finish up this section. So here we are. Number 11, the true kingdom servant leader is humbled by their relationship with God and honored to serve in the kingdom as his representative. Their relationship with God does not make him haughty and unresponsive to the needs of others, but rather sensitive to the timing and desires of God. When you're in relationship with God, you're also in relationship with other people and you're able to hear their needs no matter how subtle they are. They are mission-minded and yet flexible and approachable to all. In other words, the servant leader has to be mission-minded. He can't just be willy-nilly all over the place, but at the same time, he has to be approachable to the people that he serves with or or she serves with or serves under, all right? Number 12, the last one, the last one, Says this: the true servant leader understands the need to let that, let the mind that was in Christ be in them. Thus, the doctrine of one is critically important, and is simply learning to exist as one with the Father, as Jesus prayed for us to be in His, to be in His last prayers to God in the Garden of Gethsemane, were tantamount. The last thing He said to the Father before He went to the cross. Well, prayers for us, Mm -hmm. prayers for the disciples, prayers for people who were not even saved yet. So he was interceding in the garden at the point of his death. He knew he was going to die that night. But instead of just praying for his own Lord, keep me and hold me and this and that and the other, help me get through it. (laughs) I mean, he started off, take this cup from me, but he quickly went to the kinds of prayer that speak to his love for us. So the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Eight billion people in the world, he interceded for that we might be one with the father as he is one with the father. And that is critically important, even as we get ready to, to close coach. the day. But you, is there anything you could think of but to add I
1: mean, to that? I mean, I just have a little a little piece. That last part you read, if God, if Jesus, I'm sorry, if Jesus himself could pray for us, even for people who, as you said, were not saved and would come to be saved. I mean, that in and of itself is true humility. So if that does not speak and resonate within you, true humility, then I just don't know what to say. So then true. That was the greatest example of humility.
0: So then in light of what you just said, true humility is an outward compassion and concern and mercy for the people that are around us that supersedes our own needs absolutely absolutely i'm i'm excited about that i hope this has been helpful it's been helpful to us we pray that you have enjoyed uh, this section of the kingdom influencing podcast Uh, if you listen to the last three weeks you will get all the sections one through twelve we've reiterated everything as best we could hopefully it will help to change the context of your ministry make you a better leader make your people better servants and help you to advance the kingdom of god so at this point
1: you've been listening to the kingdom influencing podcast the series entitled simply, simply us, us. <laughs> we thank you for joining us once again and we want you to have a wonderful wonderful day take care
0: go influence the nations keep nation peace